You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're going to be talking all about calendar spreads. In fact, this is a topic that we haven't talked about too much on the podcast. In fact, I think we've rarely even talked about it in depth, but I get a lot of questions on how to trade calendar spreads and what are they and how they work. And I think it'd be really insightful for you to go through this podcast if you're learning how to do calendar spreads and how to take advantage of maybe these low volatility trading strategies that are out there. So we're going to be talking about how to set them up, the price that you pay plus max loss, how we calculate all that, how calendars work as far as extrinsic and intrinsic value and this differentiation between the two contract months. And then basically, when are they best used? Are they better used for bullish, bearish, neutral setups? And then we'll go through some examples on how to adjust them and how to exit them or go through different types of like trading scenarios of what may happen as far as using calendar spread. So I think it'll be a really cool episode. And then we've got a great Q&A segment from George who asked a really good question that I think is interesting because in fact, we did a lot of digging on this and I think it was a really cool new feature that we found in Thinkorswim as far as conditional orders. So I think you'll love the Q&A segment today. But let's dive right in here and get started with talking about how to trade calendar spreads. And the first thing that we have to talk about is really setting up a calendar spread and how you go about doing that. So first of all, I'm just going to tell you guys, you might hear clicking in the background because on today's show, I'm going to be doing like back and forth and making sure that I'm looking at pricing and payoff diagrams and tables and stuff like that as we kind of talk through this whole scenario. So we try to minimize it when we do the recording and stuff like that. But if you hear it, don't be distracted. I'm just telling you what it is. But the first thing you have to talk about is obviously setting up these, these calendar spreads. Now, setting up a calendar spread is sometimes confusing to a lot of people because they don't understand how we can trade contracts in different months and against each other, et cetera. It's very easy to understand how to trade like a spread or even a single leg option because you're dealing in one contract month. But as the name suggests, a calendar spread is just taking advantage of the pricing differential that may start to develop between a front month option and a back month option. Now, I'll first define what front month is. Front month is just anything sooner than the back month. And so you can have calendar spreads that are, let's say the front month option is 10 days out and the back month option is 30 days out. You can have a calendar spread where the front month option is 30 days out and the back month option is 90 days out. It doesn't really matter. So when we talk about the front month option, we're just talking about the expiration date that's a little bit closer. And when we talk about the back month, we're talking about expiration dates that are further out than the closer option. When you set up a calendar spread, all you're going to be doing is simply this. You're going to be selling the front month option. So whatever date that is, usually 30 days out or somewhere around 30 days, you sell the front month option and then you go to the next month out or two months out, however you want to set it up, and you buy the same strike price, same type of contract, back month option. So all you're really doing is trying to take advantage of only the difference in time. That's why it's called a calendar spread. So again, I'll say it, you might sell, let's say the 50 strike puts in January and then buy the 50 strike puts in February, or you might sell the 50 strike puts in January and buy the 50 strike puts in March. 
Now, I usually set up, and most people usually set up their calendars to have a one-month differential. So you'll usually do January and February, February and March, etc. Now, again, the whole key here is that you're using the exact same strike price, and you're using the exact same type of option, calls or puts. The only difference here is you're selling the front month and you're buying the back month, right? So like you're selling short the front month time, that's going to decay faster, and you're buying the back month calendar or you're buying the back month option that's going to decay at a slower pace, okay? Now, the difference that you or the price that you pay for a calendar spread is the difference between selling the front month and buying that back month contract. And that usually becomes your max loss at the first expiration date. So always put in that like asterisk there that your max loss is this debit that you pay but it's at the first month expiration date. It can your max loss can't necessarily like grow considerably. It's not like you have this unlimited loss, but what happens is that once you get past that first month expiration date, if that back month still has value and you leave it on and then it decays or it expires out of the money, then you might lose that additional value whenever that is. So it's hard to just or how to hard to define what that ultimate max loss would be beyond the first expiration month. That's why we typically don't like to hold calendars beyond this period. We'll talk about this at the end of the podcast a little bit more, but that's why we typically really define like the trading timeline as that front month expiration. So if your front month expiration is 30 days, that's what we usually define as like when we want to trade, manage, close, take profits on, adjust, whatever. The calendar, we always want to do it in that front month time period. So I want to use an example today because I think it'll be helpful to use some numbers as we're going through this. And again, a lot of numbers, a lot of understanding here, but it's really important to understand how these calendars work just so we can continue to put context around what we're talking about. So in this case, I'm just looking at the time of this recording, USO, which is the United States Oil Fund major ETF. It's trading right now at 1172. Okay, so it may be different by the time that this podcast goes live, but it's trading right now at 1172. And what we're going to do is we're going to do the January, February call calendar in USO. Now, I'm not going to like, it has nothing to do with direction or what we think about USO. It's just doing it for the purpose of this podcast. The January 12 strike calls are trading for about $16, $17. Okay. So just so you have context here again on pricing and stuff like that. The January 12 strike calls, which are just a little bit above where the stock is right now at 1172 are trading for about $16 to $17. The exact same 12 strike calls in February are trading for $35, okay? Or $36, $34 in that range, okay? So the difference between if we were to create a new call calendar spread for USO, we'd be selling January's calls, the 12 calls in January, we sell those, collect a premium of $16, $17, And then we have to buy the back month, which is the February calls, the 12 calls, again, the same strike price, right? But same side calls, not puts, same calls in February. Those are trading for $34, $35. We have to buy those. And let's just call the net debit somewhere around $20, right? Wherever you get filled. So just to use basic numbers here and simple math. So we sell January. We buy February, which is more expensive because you're buying a longer dated, further out option with more value. And the net difference is a $20 debit. Now, this is actually relatively cheap. Some calendar spreads you might do might be $100 or $150, but I'm just showing you the difference here between the contract months and how we come up with this net debit. Now, that's the most amount that we can lose when we get to the January expiration date. 
once we get to January expiration, and this is what we talked about earlier, those February options may still have value, right? So if we go beyond January expiration and we, let's say we let January's call, you know, decay and expire worthless, but there's still value left in February, well, we can still lose that additional value. Right now, we can only lose that difference if we close it at January. And again, this is where we manage most of our calendars is in that front month expiration. So we bought the February contracts, we sold the January, which are closer, paid a net debit of $20 in this case. Now, as far as potential profit, what are we looking for? Well, potential profit is hard to peg with calendars. That's why it's so difficult for people to understand how to trade them because it really depends on the difference between these strike prices as you get towards expiration. Now, remember, here's the key with calendars. Calendars only care about extrinsic value in the different contract months. Intrinsic value is always offset by the other contract. I'll say it again. Calendars only care about extrinsic value in the different contract months, meaning time value and volatility value. That's all you're trying to take advantage of with calendars. Intrinsic value is always directly offset from one contract to another because you're trading the exact same strike in opposite directions. One month you're selling the 12 calls, one month you're buying the 12 calls. The only difference that will ever occur is in extrinsic value. Intrinsic value is always gonna be the same and directly offset. Now this is why a calendar spread is gonna mold and shift and kind of bend its payoff diagram as things like volatility, expand, contract, we get closer to expiration or not, all that stuff, it's going to mold and bend and shift the payoff diagram. But generally speaking, your maximum potential profit is going to be achieved if the stock lands at your strike price at front month expiration. So I'll say that again, just to make sure everyone's on the same page. Your maximum potential profit is generally going to be achieved if the stock lands at your strike price at front month expiration. Now, why is this? Why is the goal to pin the stock at strike price or at your strike price at front month expiration? Well, think about it in the context of this USO call calendar that we just did. The stock is trading for 11.72. We're trading the 12 strike call calendar. So ideally, we want the stock to land right exactly at $12 or maybe right around $12 at expiration in January. The reason that we our profit is then maximized is because if the stock lands at $12, our January call options would expire either slightly out of the money or right at the money and worthless, right? So if the stock lands at $12 or somewhere right around $12, then those January calls that we sold for $16, $17 are going to be worthless at expiration because they're not deep in the money, right? And so at that point, we are capturing most of the front side premium that we have. Remember, as we sell options, we want to capture that premium. Now with the back month options, we want to intact or keep intact most of that value in that back month, February 2012 call that we bought. So at expiration on January, if the stock was at $12, the February options would still have a lot of extrinsic value left for the next 30 days. So at that point, if the stock is pinned at 12, we're maximizing this differential between the front month and the back month. Any other price point, either lower or higher, then this differential gets skewed and you do not reach the maximum potential profit. So that's why we always look to have the stock pin around our strike price 
at that front month expiration. Again, that's where we get our maximum profit. Now, here's where it starts to get a little, or it could change a little bit because if volatility expands, we could have the back month options be worth more than what they pay, we paid originally. And we still lost or still gained all the value in the front month expiration because they expired worthless, but now the back month options are worth even more. So your payoff diagram could expand or contract with volatility as we get closer to expiration. So if the goal is to pinpoint the stock at the strike price, when are these things basically best used or are they best used as bullish, bearish or neutral strategies in the market? Now, the reality is to answer this one as easily as possible is that calendar spreads can be used in any direction that you want. You can use them to be bullish, to be bearish or to be neutral around the stock. What we typically find is we typically find that the best success when we've backtested this extensively, the best success usually comes when you are either slightly bullish or slightly bearish on the stock. Still pretty much neutral around the security, but you have a little bit of skew in maybe one direction or another. Now, I've talked about it in previous episodes, and we even talked about this just a couple episodes ago and kind of like balancing your portfolio, etc. We use calendar spreads a lot here at Option Alpha to balance our portfolio, and we will directionally trade a calendar spread in the direction of where we want to be balanced. So if we need a bullish position, we'll trade a calendar spread a little bit bullish. If we need a bearish position, we'll trade a calendar spread a little bit bearish. And we can still do it pretty neutral, but still a little bit directionally bullish or bearish. Now, the example today that we we're going over with USO, this is a great example of a slightly bullish, but still neutral calendar spread. We're bullish on USO in that we want the calendar to go up to our $12 strike and the stock is at 1172. Now it's a small priced stock, so it's not a big move, right? By any means, but if we wanted to be even more bullish, we could do the 13 strike call calendar spread. And then we would want USO to land at the 13 strike. Now obviously, that's a bigger move, so that calendar spread is going to be worth a little bit less money. In this case, we actually just priced it out for you, it's going to be worth about like $10. So instead of paying $20, You might pay $10, but you're going to be a little bit more bullish on USO and you're going to need USO to make a bigger move for you to hit your maximum potential gain. Now, if you want to be bearish on USO in this case, remember stock is trading at 1172, you might do the 11 strike put calendar spread, or you might do the 10 strike put calendar spread and go a little bit further out and be even more bearish on USO. Again, it doesn't matter what you end up choosing. It's all personal preference and you know where you think the market's going to go and how bullish or bearish you need a trade in your portfolio. But the result, the end result here is that you can set up calendar spreads to be as directional or neutral as you want. It really doesn't matter in that regard. Again, what we do here at Option Alpha and what backtests really well is to be just slightly bullish or just slightly bearish but still have a pretty much overall neutral stance, meaning we're still going to pay money for a calendar spread. We're still going to go out a little bit on either side as far as strike prices, but we're not going to get too crazy. We're not going to assume that the stock makes a 5 or 10 or $30 move because those calendars are really cheap. You get what you pay for in this regard with calendar spreads. You pay a little bit more money, but you get a better position that has wider break-even points ultimately. So let's talk about when they're best used. Calendar spreads are best used when there are periods of low to high volatility. So I'll say that again. Calendar spreads are best suited during periods of low to high volatility. And this is because during periods of high volatility or increasing volatility, 
option prices are going to expand. Now remember, as a calendar spread trader, you have paid a debit or paid money to get into this position. So you want to get out of the position by selling your calendar spread at a higher price net than what you paid for the position net. Now, people always ask, well, Kirk, calendar spreads are short that front month contract and isn't rising implied volatility bad for that front month contract? And the answer is yes, it is bad for that front month contract, but it is more than offset by the benefits received from your back month contract that's long. So your long call option in February gets more bang for its buck in rising implied volatility then you are hurt on your front month option that decay or that is short the calls, right? So you get more benefit from the back month option than you are losing in the loss side of your front month contract. Again, this is that differential that we're taking advantage of with calendar spreads. Now, the other beautiful part about this during rising implied volatility is that theta decay or time decay is going to be less on the back month contracts that you're long. So if you are in a period of rising implied volatility, again, that rising implied volatility is going to benefit that back month contract with very small decay in time premium versus that front month contract is going to decay in value much quicker because it's closer to expiration. So theta or time decay is speeding up exponentially every day. And even though rising implied volatility might hurt that front month contract, it's more than offset by quicker and faster time decay. So now you can see again how this benefit of trading these calendar spreads works and how like the pricing with implied volatility helps really realize a profit during rising implied volatility situations. So obviously the best time to get into a calendar spread is when IV rank is really, really low. Now, of course, you can use our watch list at Option Alpha, which helps you scan through and you can actually filter through all ETFs or stocks and then sort by highest to lowest implied volatility, finding everything with IV rank really, really low. In fact, that's what we did today when I was looking up trade to kind of use as our example on the podcast. I just basically used our watch list at Option Alpha and USO has IV rank that's at the third rank right now, which is again, zero to 100 scale, 100 being the highest implied volatility we've seen the last year, zero being the lowest USO right now is at three. So we've got a lot of upside potential and volatility over the next month, month and a half in USO. Just statistically speaking, there's a better chance of it going higher, you know, above three than say three to zero, right? So that's why we might want to trade a call calendar or put calendar or any type of calendar spread in USO because implied volatility really is really, really low at this point. And therefore the calendar spreads are really, really cheap. Again, if you're going to buy calendar spreads, you want to get them when they're really, really cheap. All right, now to really drive home this point, what I'm going to do is I'm going to add two screenshots that I just took as we were going through this here over the last hour getting set for this podcast. And two of the screenshots are One is basically the first calendar spread that we're going to analyze here in USO. And we'll talk about it here on the podcast. But again, if you want to get the actual screenshots and download those, you can go to the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 79. That's just the number 79, optionalpha.com slash show 79. Now, the first screenshot here with USO is basically the base calendar. And I wanted to do this because I think it helps reinforce how these payoffs di- how these payoff diagrams shift and evolve with rising implied volatility and how much of a dramatic impact rising implied volatility can have in value to a, a calendar spread 
And likewise, if you're trading calendar spreads, you want to avoid them like the plague when implied volatility is really high. Because if implied volatility drops, then your calendar spread is going to shrink and kind of shrivel up. So the first screenshot here is USO, and it's basically the base calendar spread. Now, when we look at USO, and we're going to do that 12-strike call calendar spread in USO, we get break-even points that are approximately 1160 or so on the bottom side. So it's just below where the stock is trading right now. And on the top side, about 1240. So again, you can see how this is neutral to bullish. We still make money if the stock stays exactly where it's at, at 1170, because our lower side break-even is like 1160. But we definitely want the stock to rally up around $12, rallying as high as 1240. Now this is with no volatility adjustment. Now this is a cool thing you can do inside Thinkorswim and most broker platforms is you can simulate what would happen to the payoff diagram or the price of the options if there was an increase or decrease in volatility. Now what I did inside here is I just said, okay, the next screenshot that you'll see on the show notes page is a volatility adjustment of 10%. So let's say volatility increased by 10%, which is not out of the question that we could have a rise in implied volatility in the oil market. And what you see is you actually see the payoff diagram for the calendar spread really balloon out and widen out. It's almost like this pyramid grows. It like it gets bigger. It grows up like a little, you know, like I guess like little like plant grows up to be a big tree. It just like balloons out in size and width. And that's because of this rising implied volatility. Now I didn't adjust anything with the strike price or the stock price or time until expiration. This was purely because of rising implied volatility. And obviously this is going to get exacerbated as we get closer to expiration because this differential becomes more defined. But at this point with the second screenshot, now what you see is a much wider break-even point on our calendar spread. Now our break-even point is all the way down to 11.20. So we've gained about 40 cents on one side. And then on the top side, it's up to about 12.90. So the stock can rally ideally to 12. That's the best opportunity. But even if it rallies up to around 12.90, we still end up making some money on this calendar spread with higher implied volatility. Now, what's cool about this too is that you can also simulate the price adjustment. In this case, the price of the calendar spread went up to $35 per spread from $20 per spread. Now, that's a pretty big increase. That's like a 75% increase in premium for a 10% adjustment to volatility. So now you can start to see the impact that implied volatility has on calendar spread pricing. It is not a one-to-one relationship. It is an exponential relationship. As volatility increases, that exponentially affects the price of the calendar spread. So that if just volatility increased, in this case, maybe the next day or two days later, for whatever reason, doesn't matter what it is, market assumption, people's assumption, some news in the oil market, but if volatility increased, you get a massive increase in the value of your calendar spread. Again, you can see this differential playing out. Now the new calendar spread is worth $35 versus the old one was worth only $20, okay? So now you can start to see how this impacts. And again, the key here with calendar spreads being you've got to trade them from low to high volatility if you want to really take advantage of that move. Now, of course, implied volatility may not move in this time period, and you'll still win a little bit on average because of the time decay aspect between the front month and the back month, but we're really trying to take advantage of this high implied volatility move that might happen. It's also another reason, just really quickly, why calendar spreads sometimes actually end up working out pretty good during a run-up to an earnings event. As we know, earnings is generally on, or implied volatility is on the rise as we head into an earnings event. 
calendar spreads end up making a little bit of money during those events. The hard part is obviously picking the direction. And that's really the tough part with, with calendar spreads as always is just making sure you get that directional aspect right as well. So the final thing that we're going to talk about here with calendar spreads is how to adjust them and exit them and kind of go through some scenarios. Now, of course, there's no perfect way to do it and everything is, you know, up to your discretion and what fits into your portfolio. And that's something I talk about often is, you know, don't adjust a trade that the adjustment doesn't make sense to your portfolio. One of the best things you have to understand about calendar spreads is obviously that they're really usually cheap positions and we don't do a lot of them. So I would say, Usually, you're not going to adjust calendar spreads as aggressively as you're going to adjust, like, let's say, a straddle or a strangle or a call credit spread or iron condor or something like that. So they're meant not to be adjusted as much. One of the first things that you can do if a trade is going in the opposite direction of where you think it's going to go is you can roll your short strike as the market's moving. So, for example, in our USO example that we're using today, we are doing the 12 strike call calendar spread. Well, we ideally want USO to rally up a little bit, but let's say USO actually falls. What we can do is make a very systematic adjustment to roll down our short 12 calls. We'll still keep our long 12 calls in February, but in January, that front month call, we will have made a little bit of money by the stock going lower. Remember, we're short the January 12 calls. Ideally, we want the stock, at least for January, to go lower. And so if it does go lower, then we'll roll down those calls for a credit. Now, that credit obviously helps reduce the cost of the calendar spread and helps transfer some of the risk and shift your payoff diagram lower by rolling down your call side. Now, this is going to start to turn it into more of a diagonal type trade, which we'll talk about in future podcasts. But that's one way that you can do it. In fact, we'll link up in the show notes page again at optionalpha.com slash show 79. We'll link up a case study and walk through on a CMG calendar spread that we adjusted a couple of times and ended up turning the thing almost around. I think we actually ended up with like a net, like one or $2 loss or one or $2 profit on this thing after spending a couple hundred dollars on entry. So it is a good way to do it. I don't suggest getting too carried away with doing that. That's all I'll use as like a basis for doing this is you still want to adjust and roll down the calls, but you don't want to get carried away and do it three or four or five times. I mean, we're again, it's a cheap trade. It should be a small position in your portfolio. Maybe one adjustment, maybe two adjustments if you really need to, if it's a really expensive calendar and you want to chip away at that. But after that, you just want to let the thing go and you know move on to other trades. They're not our, you know, kind of like cream of the crop the butter trades that we have that just consistently, you know, generate income for the portfolio. They're meant to balance and take advantage of low implied volatility, but you don't want to over adjust these things. Now, the other way that you can adjust them, obviously, is if you had a put calendar spread, which in case you wanted USO to go lower, if USO ends up going higher, then you would roll up your puts, right? So you move in the direction that the market goes. And that really only works when you have those opposite directional trades. And that's really the main way that we like to adjust them. The other way that most people like to adjust, adjust, I say air fingers quotes, adjust calendar spreads is to add another position and create a double, uh, double calendar. Now I prefer not doing this. I just don't think that you need to do it because it's not that big of a trading vehicle for you or shouldn't be that big of a profit center for your portfolio. But another way that you can do it is to add another calendar at the new strike price or below the current strike prices that you're using. So if we're using, let's say, 
the call calendar spread for USO, we might then add in a put calendar spread just below the market and create this kind of two-peaked or two-horned double calendar spread in the USO market. Now, again, I prefer not to do that because I think you can manage these trades individually. And I would prefer actually to use a different security altogether and spread my risk versus doubling down with some of these calendars. And again, I'm just being totally honest. Maybe you do a put calendar spread in XLE, which is another energy-related USO type security that's very, very similar correlated to USO or XOP or OIH. You do something else that's a little bit different to give you some diversification. Now, as far as exiting these trades, if you have a profit, it's very easy. You just close back and sell back your entire position. So and when you would close out of the calendar spread, you would sell your back month option, buy back your front month option if there's any value in those, and close the position for a higher price. If you do get to expiration, and let's say that the stock hasn't exactly moved as well as you thought it was, and you get to expiration and your options are both out of the money, well, in that case, you can let your front month option expire and keep that back month option as a lottery ticket basically for the next 30 days. So let's say, again, getting back to our USO example, let's say that we thought USO was going to move up to our 12 strike for our call calendar, but USO didn't and you know stayed lower all the way through the expiration cycle. Well, we still get a little benefit from the decay in the January options, and we'll still make a little bit of money on those options. But if we reach January expiration, we could choose to leave our 12 calls long for February. Now, they're just going to be long call options by themselves, nothing else attached to them. And they're basically going to be little lottery tickets for February for the next month, hoping that USO goes higher. Now, before you get too crazy and excited about this type of strategy, the key difference or the key thing I want you to understand is that if you're going to leave that long call option on, please remember to check the value at January expiration. And I'll give you an example. Let's say we get to January expiration and that USO 12 call for February is still worth $35. Well, if you leave it on because you thought Kirk said leave it on as a lottery ticket, you could still lose an additional $35, right? Because that's now new value that could be lost after the January front month expiration. So the only way that I would usually leave on these long lottery tickets is if they're worth a really small amount. And it makes sense to leave it on as like a little mini hedge or protection or lottery ticket, whatever you want to call it for the portfolio. So $5, $6, something like that. But if those options are worth you know, 30, 40, $50 in some cases, then I'll definitely close out those long options, even if they're out of the money, because they're still worth something that I could close out the position and basically, again, just move on. So I just want to add that comment in there because I think it's really, really important. Again, we've got a lot of examples and case studies, including a lot of live trading videos on calendar spreads. You just have to go to the website. They're all free. I think we have like eight or 10 live calendar spread trading videos where we where you watch me not only enter trades, but also exit, adjust them. It's really good stuff. And it, again, builds on some of the topics that we're talking about here in the podcast today. So hopefully you've enjoyed this kind of, you know, talk about how to trade calendar spreads. I hopefully covered all the bases that I wanted to here, my checklist for you guys today. Again, if you want to see more videos or any of the links to some of the resources that we mentioned, including some of the screenshots of these spreads that we did in USO, you want to head on over to the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 79. 
And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hi, Kirk. My name is George Nickus. I'm from Woodstock, Georgia. I've been uh, trading options for Oh, probably about four or five years now, and I do appreciate what you've done with your website. I do have a question here for you. Uh, I was going through the training modules, and you were I was going through the condition orders or conditional orders and special conditions, and one of the questions I had was, can or how do you set up the condition order screen to close trades if a certain stock or if the market it's a certain situation. For example, if the S&P drops, you know, 100, 200, 300 points, and I want it to trigger it to close all my trades, uh, if that situation were to happen, how do you do that? And that's pretty much it. If uh, you give me an answer for that, I appreciate it. Thank you. And look forward to your response. All right, George, thank you so much for submitting this question. I think it's a really cool question. And in fact, we did a little bit more digging just to make sure we we're talking about the right stuff. There's a bunch of different ways in which you can actually do this. I'll talk about kind of like the main two ways that I think you can set up these conditional orders. The first way that you can do this is you can do this with a traditional stop order on your actual contracts. Now, I will just preface this by saying I don't think that you should use stop orders. I think you do most of your risk assessment and position sizing uh, upfront when you get into the trade so that if you had a trade that went completely against you, you'd still end up okay, wouldn't crush you and kill you, even if the market crashed, black swan event, all that stuff. And we should be trading generally in both sides. So we should never be one directional. I would encourage everyone to go back to show number, I think it was actually show number 70, 67 on the podcast where we talked about these 10 back-tested option strategies in the stop-loss myth. So again, show number 67 is a really, really important one. But let's say you did want to use a stop-loss, you don't want to listen to me on that stuff, and you want to use a stop-loss order. The first thing that you can do is actually set up a stop-loss order for the actual option spread or option contract itself. And that's no different than going in and creating a closing order. And instead of choosing limit, one of the drop-downs that your broker should have is either stop or stop limit. Now, the first one is a stop. A stop order is basically going to say, okay, when it gets to this price, get me out, and then it's going to execute at the next market price. So let's say that you sold a credit spread for $30. You're going to say, you know what? When it goes up to $90, I want to the stop order to execute. But what that's going to do is it's going to create the new market order once the value reaches $90, which means that you may or may not get out of the contract at $90. So a traditional stop order stops the contract or creates the order and stops, but it fills that market price. What you could use instead is called a stop limit order. So it's going to say, okay, once the option spread gets to $90, then limit my exit to, let's say, $91 or $92. And what I always suggest people do if they use that is, you know, give yourself a penny or two of difference because the price of the option may be moving fast, may not be, but may be moving fast and you want to make sure that you give some cushion so that if the value moves through that, you can still get out of the contract. 
What you will hear all the time in horror stories with a stop limit order is that if you set the stop limit at 90 and then 90 for the actual limit price is that the value might be going so quickly during situation or a meltdown, whatever you call it, that it never actually gets filled. It goes right past that and your order just stays in there and you actually have a bigger loss. Okay. So again, I suggest at least using a stop limit, but then giving yourself maybe like a penny or two of padding. The other way that you can do it is if you want to base the execution of the trade on some other index or market. Now, this is really cool because what you can do, especially inside Thinkorswim, which is our broker here at Option Alpha, what you can do is you can actually go into Thinkorswim and in the order dialogue section, when you're creating that closing order, there's a little gear on the far right-hand side. It's literally the furthest thing on the right-hand side. When you click that gear, it creates a new order rules window. And that order rules window actually gives you a set of conditions. You can actually submit the order at a specific time if you want to, or you have the option of submitting it when a condition is met. What's cool about the order conditions is that you can trade anything you want and still submit the order based off of any other security. So in our case, we can type in SPX, which is the S&P 500 index, and say, you know what, submit this order when the mark price or the last price traded on SPX is at or below, let's say, 2200, right, which is, you know, below where we're at right now when I do this podcast or uh, just below where we're at when I do this podcast. Yeah. So you can say, okay, submit this order if the S&P falls below 2200. And you could do this for all of your positions. So your question was, how do I protect my whole portfolio? Well, you could set this order up for every single one of your positions. And if the S&P were to fall below 2200, anytime between now and expiration of your contracts, then these orders would then get executed in the market. Now, the best way to use this, obviously, is to use a limit, a market order for the actual execution. Now, I say that's the best way to use it. It would never be the way that I would use it necessarily, but you wouldn't want to use a limit order because if you use a limit order with these conditional rules, you don't know where the value of the options are going to be. So it's pretty much like a shot in the dark. It's a guess. So if you do want to use this conditional thing that says, you know what, if the market goes below 2200 or whatever price you set, sell everything, just get out of everything, liquidate everything, then you want to use a limit or I'm sorry, market order attached to this. But this again is really cool. You can set it up for SPX, RUT, you can set up for whatever you're trading individually or do this blanket across your whole portfolio. So Hopefully that helps kind of, you know, understand this. I think there's a lot of room for people to use these limit conditional orders in your trading. It's definitely great if you're working a job where you don't have the ability to look at the market every day. Yes, you're going to sacrifice maybe a little bit of your fills. You might not get as better pricing as you could if you're watching the market during the day, but it still gives you an opportunity to trade, which I think is why this is such a great question to ask here. Again, if you want to get your question answered on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope in the future, please head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask, click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail like George did today. There's no software to download or install and it's incredibly easy. You can do it in literally 30 seconds. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, I want to let you know how you can get our special freebie today for the podcast, which is our ultimate strategy guide completely expanded out to 90 plus pages and it literally has one sheet downloadable cheat sheets for each individual strategy so calendar spreads like we talked about today we've got downloadable cheat sheets for put calendar spreads and call calendar spreads to tell you how to set it up how to exit them when the best profit target is how to adjust them etc it's completely free and you can get it by going to optionalpha.com ebook 
or by texting in the word on your mobile phone strategies. That's all one word strategies to the short code 44222. So you text in the word strategies to 44222 and you get the ebook delivered right away. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, I thought it might be good to actually do something a little bit different. And instead of talking about a trade that we're doing, because we have talked about in previous episodes and then also in a coming up episode, we've talked about calendar spreads that we're trading. So you'll hear a little bit more about specifics that we're trading here uh, coming up. But I wanted to talk through just kind of how we go through scanning for calendar spread trades, because I think that's a big question that most people have is how do I find these trades? And the reality is, is that it's actually really, really easy to find these trades. Now, one of the things that I do, and this is totally a blatant promotion for our watch list software because we literally built it based on what users and members wanted in our community. And we built this watch list software with the ability to scan and filter through implied volatility and also rank it high to low from all of the stocks on the watch list. So one of the easiest things that I do is I go right into our watch list software, which I built for the members and for myself to use. I first filter out only ETFs, meaning I don't want to look at any stocks. I usually like to trade calendars on major ETFs just so that we have an ETF in the portfolio because stocks, you know, depending on if I'm trading it for, you know, whatever reason to balance out the portfolio or maybe to do earnings, that would be the only time that I would do a calendar spread on a stock is maybe heading into earnings. But most of the time, you know, we look at ETFs, those usually have really low implied volatility rank. And so we just focus on those. So I filter out everything except ETFs. And then I simply go ahead and rank the entire watch list from lowest implied volatility to highest. Now I'll add a screenshot of this on the show notes page again at optionalpha.com slash show 79. And you can see what it looks like when you actually filter out, you know, lowest to highest implied volatility, but that's where USO actually came from in today's show because it is the lowest IV rank on our watch list here at two. You have other things that are very similar to it. In fact, a lot of the oil and gas sector is pretty low right now. So like OIH is IV rank four, XOP is IV rank five, XLE is IV rank 13. But you also have some other things. So if you want to diversify out of the oil and energy space, then ones that are just a little bit higher but still really, really low is EWJ, which is the Japan ETF. And then EEM, which is an emerging market ETF. So there's a lot of different ways that you can find it. But from here, then it's just simply a matter of going into each of these individual securities and again, making that slight directional play. So if you're looking at emerging markets, maybe you think it's going a little bit higher, a little bit lower, but also asking yourself, what do you need in your portfolio? Do you need another slightly bullish position or a slightly bearish position? So when looking for calendar spreads trades, it's actually that easy to just go in, rank everything lowest implied volatility to highest and start picking your way through the lowest IV trades because those are going to give you the greatest upside potential and volatility, which as we know from today's podcast, gives us the biggest opportunity to gain with some of these calendar spread trades. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, now I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show about calendar spreads and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources and any links mentioned in the show 
plus some related video training on calendar spreads by going to the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 79. Again, that's just the number 79, optionalpha.com slash show 79. And until next time, happy trading.